welcome to the Leadership 360 podcast, where we interview real people with real stories about all aspects of leadership. I'm your host, Chris Moore, and thank you for joining us today. Today, my guest is Jennifer Thornton. Jennifer has developed her expertise in talent strategy and leadership professional development over her exciting 20-plus year career as an HR professional. She's led international teams across greater China, Mexico, the UK, and the US to expand into new markets, managing franchise retailers, and developing key strategic partnerships, all while exceeding business objectives and financial results. The rapid growth of her consulting firm, 304 Coaching, has been largely due to Jennifer's unconventional approach to building innovative workforce development solutions for companies who are facing breakthrough growth and accelerated hiring patterns. She's a sought-after business strategist specializing in startups and large value-based organizations. She assists her clients in building talent strategies that complement their business strategies to ensure exponential growth. She lives in Texas with her family and rescues. In her free time, she enjoys reading, historic preservation, remodeling her lake home, and spending time with friends. Jennifer, welcome to the Leadership 360 podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So, you know, I'm always interested in what people do you know, for work. But the other interesting thing is, you know, what they do in their spare time or their free time. So I understand pretty much everything. What is historic preservation? So I actually live in a historic home. Now in Texas, historic isn't actually that old. Uh, My house was built in 34. And when I bought my house, oh gosh, almost 20 years ago, I was young. You know, I bought this house. I really didn't know what that meant when I bought a historic house. I didn't know that meant that the city gets to decide what color I paint it and all those types of things. Sure. And so over time, I've really, you know, learned about it. But what I also learned over time is how important it is to preserve our structure, our our history of structures, because they tell a story about how people lived. Right. And so I've really um, started to enjoy learning about history um, from a architectural standpoint and helping Dallas, where I live, continue to preserve our history. Um, it's not always easy. A lot of people um, don't see it as um, saving history. They see it as, you know, building a new shiny building and knocking one down. But we do our best and we help um, you know, a property owners see the value of keeping their structure so that they can be a part of the history. Well, that's amazing. And it probably, I mean, it's a whole new world that you got into and there's, you know, all kinds of people who are in that space. But I'm fascinated when I travel around the world, so many places that are so much older than the places we live. Uh, you know, you, you, you know, like countries come and go, but, you know, cities stay and buildings, as long as you preserve them, then you can enjoy that history. And like you said, you know, what, what people did and how they lived at the time that, that they were built. So, Good for you. What a that's a fantastic, uh, fantastic opportunity, and, and probably um, great you know great project as well. I'm sure. So talking about uh, leadership, and I'm and I'm sure you've been exposed to uh, many different uh, styles and you know pros cons everything uh, from a leadership perspective. But when you think about uh, great leaders, what do you think some of the attributes are of a great leader? Oh, it's so many. Um, I think. When, oh gosh, when I look at leaders who um, are able to take their team along with them and sometimes can stand beside them, sometimes lead them, sometimes follow them, because as leaders, a lot of times we have to follow our experts that are on our team. I think a lot of it comes from curiosity and the willingness to accept someone else's viewpoint. 
And I think great leaders are willing to hear someone else's experiences and views and appreciate them and honor them. They may not agree with them and that's okay. That's, that's what we do at business. We, we look for best case scenarios and solutions and ideas, but great leaders are willing to um, hear those without judgment. Yeah, that's a fantastic point. And I learned not as early in my career as I would have appreciated, but the fact that, you know, as a leader, you're one person, you have, you know, one set of ideas, one set of experience, but if you can benefit from the collective, uh, it's so important. And like you say, to listen to people, but what I learned was listening is important, but then actually choosing to change your plans based on those, you know, the feedback and the ideas. And then the next step for me was, making sure you let people know that, hey, because of your idea or your influence or your input, you know, I, I adjusted what I was going to do. Uh, I think it's so important for people to have that feedback that, you know, they're, they're making a difference too. So what have you uh, learned from some of the great leaders that, uh, that you've worked with or worked for? Yeah. You know, I think of one leader that I worked for for um, many years and um, worked with him internationally. And one of the challenges um, working internationally is, you know, the person who answers your question might be asleep. Right. And you don't want to call someone at two o'clock in the morning and go, hey, what do you think about this? So one of the things I learned is how to really get comfortable making difficult decisions without approval. And that, that takes some time to get used to when you're making really big decisions. But I was able to do that because my leader was incredibly consistent in his views and the way he made decisions. And that was a moment where I really started to appreciate consistency. So if, if I was, you know, in Hong Kong and whatever country he was in and working at that time, it might have been, you know, one o'clock in the morning. I felt comfortable in having his proxy, like I knew how to make a decision based on how consistent he was and how he responded. And so when we would connect and I would say, here are the things that have been going on, here are some of the decisions I made, even if he would have made a different decision, he was consistent in the way he would respond. He would say, okay, yes, correct. yes, yes, this one, let's work through it because I have some different views on it but I didn't get in trouble. I didn't get shamed or judged. We talked through it and I learned. And so I think that consistency and allowing people to make decisions in their day to day so they can be more productive is an incredible um, leadership quality. Yeah, absolutely. Being consistent is important, you know, at any time, but like you say, if you're making decisions kind of on behalf or for somebody or for a line of business and, and people, you know, the people working for you are looking for that consistency too, right? So it's, it's extremely important. Anything else that you've learned from some of the other great leaders that you've worked with? Oh gosh, so much. I think that um, some of the other things that I've learned that have carried on are, is how to um, work cross-functionally. And I don't think we always, we talk a lot about leading our team, but we don't talk um, as often about leading cross-functionally and very few organizations have a singular team. Right. And even if you have a singular team, you have vendors 
and you have um, other um, maybe uh, partners or platforms, all types of different things. So I think, and I really look at like older, kind of old school 20th century leadership. And the, that was that mindset of I know everything because I'm right. the boss. And in today's world, I think our best leaders and some of the ones I've worked for have really been fantastic at not knowing but bringing the people in that know and creating a path for those people to do their best work. And if you're a leader who sits around and thinks I have to know the answers and I'm going to tell you what to do, even though I don't know how to do your job, your team will struggle because they, they won't be doing their job. They'll just be doing what you tell them to do. Yeah, absolutely. There's, you know, times when I've referred to people that have worked for me as like telling managers, mm -hmm. it's just like, you know, they, they feel their job is to tell everybody what to do. But if I look at any of the teams that I've managed, I don't, you know, I don't have enough time in my day to tell everybody what to do. And people need to be independent, especially when you've got leaders reporting to you. And, um, you know, like you said, give, you know, if you're clear in your expectations, you give people, you know, the space, uh, I think, you know, supporting people is important too. Like you said, you know, not getting in trouble or, or being shamed. The, you know, the key thing is to let people do what they need to do, make some mistakes, have the conversation, but, um, but make sure that they're supported, uh, you know, most of all. So it's extremely, I, you know, I've, I've worked for a lot of great people, you know, who have through, through the years ended up being kind of coaches and mentors to me. And I've, I've had mentors who I haven't reported to because they were in another organization, like, you know, like you're talking about, you know, partners and some of those things. And uh, I had somebody who, who I chose them as a mentor. I don't think I ever told them that they were my mentor because I was just observing them. Right. And uh, I should probably do that some point at some point, but um, it was fascinating because, you know, in a, in a meeting or a heated conversation, uh, this, this person would, you know, when she was speaking and if people weren't listening, she would just kind of get, you know, more quiet, more quiet. And people would have to kind of, you know, lean in and, and listen. And it was, it was fascinating just to watch how she operated, kind of make mental notes and then, you know, try some of those things myself. So it, it's, um, you know, you can, you can learn from the people that you work for or report directly to, but you can, you can just learn from great people around you too. Yeah, I always say leadership is kind of picking up clues along the way. And, you know, as you are engaging with people and you see traits that you admire or that you see that are really effective, you know, you just are kind of picking those up and creating, you know, taking all of that and molding you into who you authentically are. But, you know, always right. take those clues from leaders. And it's sometimes, you know, our worst leaders are good teachers, too. Yeah, absolutely. There's you can you can learn something from everybody, and uh, I think when you do that too, it creates better self awareness. I you know I've I've seen people who are in situations that they allow other people to kind of trigger them or push their buttons or set them off, and I've I've coached so many people who have reported to me to say, hey, you know, next time you're in a conversation with that person or that group of people, try to just observe yourself, like you're sitting beside yourself watching yourself. Uh, and, you know, it's hard for people to do, but it's, um, you know, once you do that as well, then you start to understand yourself better and, and see people, you know, the, the people around you differently too. So, so what, um, what have you learned about yourself lately? 
Oh gosh. In the year 2020, I think we all learned a lot about ourselves, right? <laughs> Jeez. That's right. Uh, how long is this show? No. Um, so I think what I learned about myself, um, you know, when this started, you know, when 2020 um, took off and to all of its glory, it became, right. uh, you know, um, I was reading articles that said, you know, when, um, when you go into difficult times as a business, if you're strong, you'll likely come out stronger and if you were struggling, then you're going to struggle. Right. And it really hit home with me. And I thought, wow, like, where am I strong at? And how do I really get into that so that I can, you know, take it, you know, take advantage of where I'm strong and not, you know, struggle as much. And the other thing I really um, started to think about is how can I impact and I, um, you know, I don't have any medical training, so you certainly don't want me doing anything like that. I can't sure. sew. You don't want me to make medical masks or anything. And so I started um, giving back. I had open free time. And so I started um, conducting free um, leadership training classes for communities. And I um, learned so much through giving um, all of those classes. And I met so many incredible people. And you know, I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. And so I think what I learned about myself is that if I'm backed into a corner, I can figure it out. You know, there is something, there's always some type of solution. It may not be a perfect solution, but right. you know, there's something you can do and just make one step. So I think that's, you know, what I learned about myself is, you know, I'll figure it out. Well, that's great. And so you sound like the kind of person who, you know, looks for a good challenge and, uh, you know, enjoys problem solving. But like, like you said, when you can, when you do what you do and people pay you, that's one thing. But when you do that and you give it away, there's, you know, as much as the people who received the coaching and, and some of the development that you're doing probably really appreciated it. Um, but I would imagine for you, it was probably more enjoyable just being able to do that because it's what you do well and what you enjoy as much as, you know, they, they enjoyed receiving it. Yeah, you know, and what's interesting is, you know, um, I, I just, you know, I was like, how in the world can I help? And it was really easy for me at first to respond with, well, there's nothing I can do. I'm stuck right. in my house. I don't have this or I don't have that. And I just went back to what do I do best? Let's do more of that. Right. And that's how I decided to, because, you know, we have Zoom and, you know, all kinds of technology. And if we're stuck in our house, let's use it. Right. And uh, so, yeah, so it was um, an interesting challenge, but we figured it out. Yeah, great. Yeah, there was a point in time where I was kind of counting the days that we were in isolation to the point that I thought, okay, I got to stop doing this. <laughs> You know, when's when's the counting going to stop, right? And everybody talks about, uh, you know, getting back to normal or, you know, and a lot of the people I've talked to is forget, forget the old normal we had, you know, that's not coming back. Let's figure out how to function and how to adapt. And, you know, that, and, you know, you've, you've been in HR, you work with people, you, you know, you know, I'm not a doctor or a psychologist or a lawyer, but one thing I've observed with human beings is they're extremely resilient, uh, and they, you know, they figure out a new way to do things. And, you know, it might take a bit of time, but it absolutely does happen. Yeah, absolutely. So what, um, what leadership advice would you give your, your younger self, all the things that you've learned over, you know, the years? What oh would you go God. back and tell yourself? A lot. There would be a long list. Right. Um, I think, um, 
you know, especially starting out, you know, I grew up in the retail industry and I grew up front lines, you know, working in the right. mall and leading teams at 20 years old, making hiring decisions, waking up to my KPIs every morning at 20 and 21 years old. And, you know, I don't think I appreciated what I was learning at the time because you just, you just get off and you just get up and do it. And so sure. I think I would first tell myself, really absorb what you're doing because this is powerful stuff. Not every 22-year-old, 21-year-old gets to make hiring decisions and interview people or just the basic stuff that we learned. And then I think the second thing is, is to have confidence in yourself and be confident being unique. One of the things I struggled mm. with really early in my career is I did things differently and I still was a top performer. I, you know, hit all my numbers, you know, everything was always great, but I knew I did it differently. And because I did it differently, I always kind of carried this like uncomfortable ease because I wasn't, or still not, I'm not a high competitor. Like I will help someone win before I win. Right. And when you're in the world of retail, waking up to your KPIs every morning, that is not your peers. Your peers are there to beat you (laughs) and to be the best. And so I think that's the other thing is just get really comfortable in your own skin and lead in a way that makes you feel good because you'll be the most effective. Right. I think that's a fantastic point. The fact, I mean, everybody is unique. We know that, but we don't think about that in terms of, you know, school or work. We expect people to, you know, align and, and comply and who you are is a function of, you know, kind of family of origin, where you grew up, what you learned. And I appreciate what you're saying about retail. I spent a number of years in retail in, in my late teens. And it's, it's pro- to me, it's one of those things that everybody should do. Um, and it's, it's really, it's not for everybody, of course, but, you know, just having to be, you know, customer service, dealing with, you know, learning how to sell or, you know, solve problems, you know, take returns, you know, and and all of the other things that you don't understand about large corporations like supply chain and you know warehousing and and all of those things. So it's um, so you know good for you that uh, probably great opportunity that you started out there as well. Yeah, retail definitely formed my early leadership years, and I stayed in retail um, most of my career up until opening my own business. Now, did a lot of different jobs inside of that, and a lot of different things, and did it all over the world. But um, I'll never forget some of those early days. Yeah, for sure. And and you had that whole experience of being on the front line too, right? Which is which is huge when you're in the context of being in the corporate office. If they ha- you know, if people haven't worked on the front lines, they just don't have that perspective. So a little, you know, broader question and maybe drawing on some of the things that you do kind of day to day, but what leadership advice would you give our audience today? So, you know, when I think about what's going on in the world today, I think that we have to create environments where innovation is celebrated and appreciated. And that is easier said than done as most things. And Um, to create innovation, we have to create trust and psychological safety and some of those buzzwords that we're all hearing these days. Right. But we really have to think about our actions as leaders and, you know, our words and our actions, you know, they impact someone's chemical responses in their brain. And when we instill fear in someone, and it's very easy to do that. We move someone to their primitive brain, which closes down their prefrontal cortex, which is where innovation happens. So if you yell at someone, hey, I need you to figure this out. Well, you've just shut down the part of their brain that figures it out. So you're not going to get what you want. So I think really thinking about how to create trust and safety so that we can have more innovative conversations and more innovation in the business. 
That's fantastic. You were, you were talking about the brain there, and I was I was wondering if you know my friend Roger Dooley, and his because um, he's down in your area. I'll, I'll I'll send you a link. He's written a book called Brain Fluence, a number of other books, but he's uh, into neuromarketing. Oh, fantastic. I studied under an amazing woman. Woman, Her name is Judith Glacier, and she spent 40 years studying the neuroscience of the mind, how it took in conversations in the workplace, and how did that impact business decisions. Yeah. And I studied directly underneath her for about a year and a half. Brilliant. She was so, so, her husband actually was a neuroscientist. And so together they did incredible studies and work. And um, after you know, working with her and, you know, studying underneath her and going through her certification program, I was like, man, the whole world needs to know this because it would have made my life a lot better if I understood how my language was influencing responses in the workplace. Yes, it it, it is so true. And like when you're talking about, you know, what what people say and do and how other people respond, I, I always think of that image of a boat and the wake that it leaves behind. And, you know, what what do you want your wake to be as you're interacting with people? And uh, you need to be, you know, you need, you know, you need to do your job, get your work done, all of those things. But you absolutely have to be thoughtful about the people around you, not just because they're going to do stuff with you or for you, but because, you know, they are, you know, just like you in terms of individuals who are trying to contribute and be successful and they've got families and, you know, other pressures on their lives. So it's, uh, you know, there's a little more thought that needs to go into what everybody does every day, you know, and, and you know, like you're talking about competition and, you know, helping somebody before you want to win yourself. There's, you know, there's so much more of that, that, that people need to be doing for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for, for your time and uh, your insight. Do really do appreciate it. And uh, really enjoyed our conversation today. It was fantastic. I really enjoyed it too. This has been Leadership 360 with my guest, Jennifer Thornton. Join me again for more inspiring stories about leadership from real people. The Leadership 360 Podcast is sponsored by The Leadership Academy, your trusted partner in leadership development from coaching to consulting and on-site facilitation. Please visit our website, theleadershipacademy.ca.